I wanted to say something too that uh, Reed and Amanda came in early this morning to uh, get ready uh, and to rehearse the praise and worship. And they were up here uh, rehearsing and the Stovall Children's Parade was going on out here, out here in the auditorium uh, with Ronan leading the parade. Roman, Ronan was walking around and, and Hope and Judah were following him, taking care, watching out for him. And he had a big smile on his face, just walking around through the auditorium here. And I thought, how great that is. I want, I want kids to grow up in this church and say, this is my church. This is where I can come and walk around and have fun. Amen. And uh, it was, I thought, the Stovall Children's Parade. <laughs> it was beautiful. Praise God. Uh, I do want to, before I get into the Word today, I wanted to, to share this one story with you that uh, that happened to me this week when I was, was out in Tulsa at Winter Bible Seminar. And it was be- the weather was beautiful. Miss Lynette Hagen always prays for the, for the weather to be good. And it, act- it got up to 83 degrees out there on Wednesday. And we're saying, turn it down, Miss Lynette, turn it down a little bit. Uh, but, it was, uh, but it was really nice out there. And uh, so I went for a couple of days. I went, went for a walk, you know, in the afternoon. And, and one day I was walking across. They've got a nice, it's called River Walk along the Arkansas River. And there's a bridge that you can, it's a pedestrian bridge. It used to be a, a, a vehicle, regular vehicle bridge, but they built a new vehicle bridge. And so they made the old bridge a pedestrian bridge. And they've got three lanes on this bridge. On the, on, the, on the far right and on the far left are uh, walking or running lanes. And if you're, if you're riding a bike, that you get the middle lane. And the middle lane's a little bit wider. So I was walking across the bridge on the far right lane, and I saw a guy a uh, good ways away coming, coming toward me, but he was in the left lane coming over and um, happened to be uh, a, a young black man. And he was pretty tall, looked like he was probably maybe 6'5 or so. And, um, and he, all of a sudden he comes walking over into my lane and, uh, like he's wanting to talk to me or engage me in some way. And, and, um, I didn't know why at the time later I discovered that, that the, uh, the high school, uh, cross country team was running in the left lane. So he was getting out of their way. And I, and so I, you know, got ready to speak to him or whatever, as he's coming close to me. And then I heard he's talking. I thought, oh, he's on, he's on his phone. I saw he had earbuds in. And I thought, hey, oh, he's, he's got one of these, you know, he's got a Bluetooth. And he's, his phone's probably, he's, he's talking to somebody. And as he got closer, I heard him saying, de la And I said, and so he went by me just praying in tongues, you know, praying up a storm in tongues. And I, so I stopped him. I said, hey, I said, are you praying in tongues? And he turned around and he said, well, yeah, I am. And I said, well, I'm a spirit-filled believer too. I said, that's awesome, man. And uh, I said, did you go to Rhema? He said, no, I went to ORU. Oral Roberts University is, is right there. He said, no, I went to ORU. And I said, well, my name's David. And he reached out his hand. He said, my name's David too. And I said, where are you from? He said, the Congo. And, yeah. And I thought he went, he went his way praying in tongues and I went my way and I thought only in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, what a blessing that you're going to run into somebody praying in tongues out loud. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, Oral Roberts University is right there and, and of course Ramah's there. And so it's a, it's a blessed city. It's a blessed place. And it was good to, good to be back there. Praise God. You ready for the word this morning? I know you are because the Holy Spirit's already exhorted us that we've chosen that good part. Amen. It'll not be taken from us. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We're choosing that good part. We're choosing the word of the Lord. We're choosing your word to feed upon it today, to receive it into our hearts, to allow it to renew our minds. And we thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. We're choosing this good part, the the one thing that's needed the one thing, and that's your word. Father, we choose it today. We receive it today. And we thank you that it will not return void, but it will produce fruit in our lives as we receive it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're still on the subject of healing. I hope that's all right with you. I hope, it, I hope it's all right that, that uh, uh, we're working on you being healthy and well in 2024. Is that all right? 
Is anybody, if anybody wants to stay sick in 2024, we'll go ahead and excuse you right now. And uh, you don't want to listen to this message. Uh, but if you want to stay well and be well and be healthy uh, in 2024, then stick around. Amen. Praise God. Uh, so we're going to talk today about how to keep your healing, how to keep your healing. Uh, John chapter 10 and verse 10. Jesus speaking here, he says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Of course, we know Jesus is talking about Satan. He's talking about the devil. And Jesus says that Satan, uh, there's only three things that the, that, that the devil does. And none of them are good, right? None of them are good. He's come to steal. He's come to kill. He's come to destroy. I want to focus on that first one that he's come to do. The devil has come to steal. I looked up the uh, dictionary definition of the word steal, and here's what it said. To take the property of another wrongfully. That's what stealing is, and that's what Satan does. Satan attempts and endeavors to take what belongs to us, what belongs to humanity, what belongs to mankind. And when he does, he's taking it wrongfully. Stealing means it doesn't belong to him. It belongs to me. And he's come to take it away, take something away from me that belongs to me. That's wrong. That's stealing. But that's what he does. That's what the devil tries to do. Well, one thing that belongs to you and to me is healing and health. Amen. That belongs to us. We know that from the scripture, many scriptures, but I'll just focus on one for that right now. Luke 13 and verse 16, Jesus in ministering to the woman in the synagogue that day that was bent over with a spirit of infirmity for 18 years, the Bible says, when she was healed, here's what Jesus said, so ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus is saying, this woman had a right to be healed. I healed her, he said. They got mad. The Pharisees got mad because Jesus healed this woman. It's the Sabbath. You can't do that. That's work. Healing constitutes work, and you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And he said, no, this woman's got a right to be healed. She ought to be healed. She's got a right to be healed. Satan is the one that was trying to steal her health away from her. And she ought to be healed. She had a right to be healed. Healing belongs to her. Jesus was enforcing the law. Jesus was saying, no, you don't, Satan. You took her health from her unlawfully, wrongfully. That's stealing. We're going to get back for that woman what belongs to her, what's rightfully hers. She ought to be healed. She's a daughter of Abraham. She had a right to be healed, a covenant right to be healed. Amen. Praise God. And so, so this woman, for whatever, whatever reason... Uh, she was unaware. She, the Bible doesn't say she'd done anything wrong. She was faithful to come to synagogue every, every Sabbath. Uh, but she was unaware of how to keep her healing. And so Satan had stolen it away from her, taken advantage. But Jesus helped her get her healing back. Amen. Amen. <coughs> and uh, so that's our, that's our topic today, how to keep your healing. God wants you to keep it. God wants you to keep the healing that he's provided for you. He wants you to keep the healing that Jesus purchased for you on the cross. Amen. 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 We find another account. We, we looked at this, at this account in one of our earlier sessions when we talked about healings that were God-initiated or man-initiated. And we looked at the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. It's found in, in John chapter uh, 5. It is, we, we find his story and we find that, that he was healed by a, a healing that was God-initiated. An angel would come down, stir up the water. First one in got healed. Well, that man, Jesus, came along and that man said, well, I want to be, Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? He said, well, I don't have anybody to get me into the water. Somebody already always beats me in. Jesus said, well, take up your bed and walk. That was still initiated by God. The man didn't even know who it was. He, they asked him, he said, well, I don't know who it is. And uh, Jesus later found him in the temple, and then, he, and then he discovered and understood, oh, you're the one that healed me. What's your name again? 
Jesus. All right. So he didn't even know, he didn't even know about Jesus, didn't know anything about him, and Jesus healed the man. All right. But here's what Jesus said when he, when he came to him and found him afterward in the temple to follow up with him. John 4, uh, 5, 14 said, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, Jesus was letting this man know that he had a responsibility to keep the healing that, had been, that he had been blessed with. That he had been given. Do you see that? Amen. Amen. He had a responsibility to keep what had been graciously bestowed upon him, his healing. Satan will try to come with a counterattack to steal your healing, to try to take away your healing from you. In this man's case, Jesus told him to put away sin in your life. He said, you've been made well, sin no more. Put that verse back up there for a second, Kim, if you would. He said, Jesus said, see, you've been made well, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. And so um, he, he, in, in, in his case, he had to put away sin in his life. That would be an open door for the devil. But so would fear. That would be another open door for the devil. If we, if we live in fear, if we're afraid we're going to get sick, if we're afraid this is going to happen to us, that's an open door for the devil living in fear. So would unforgiveness. That's another open door to the devil. So the point is, we need to keep the door closed on the devil. Amen? Now, again, this man was healed by a special manifestation of the gifts of healings. And uh, he, again, he didn't even know who it was. It wasn't his faith that he was healed on. We looked at, uh, we've looked in, in this series on Sundays and, and past Sundays, we've looked at, at, at individuals who were healed because they exercised faith. And Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be to you. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Uh, you know, he made comments like that to individuals that were healed by their faith. This man didn't, didn't apparently didn't, wasn't operating in faith. He was healed by one of the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, in this little book, which I recommend that you get if you don't have it, it's called How to Keep Your Healing by my brother Hagen. He tells uh, an account, and I'm going to read part of it, and I'm just going to tell you part of it, but uh, the, an account of a, a woman that he ministered to that had been, this was in, the, uh, in 1970, and the charismatic uh, revival was taking place in the late 60s, throughout the 70s, and into the early 80s. And um, where, where God was pouring out His Spirit and God was visiting denominational people, Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, thousands and thousands, millions. How, how many of you have that's your testimony that, that, you came, that you came to God during the charismatic renewal? I know some, I know some of you did, yeah. And uh, you raised denominationally, but you found out about the Holy Spirit. I did. I was part of that. And... Uh, uh, and so uh, there was this woman, a uh, Methodist woman, and she uh, had this uh, uh, condition that was a, a very rare condition. Just a few people uh, in the world had, had been diagnosed with it, and, and she was given uh, 10 years uh, to live maximum. They said, we don't know how, we don't know how, uh, there's only seven or eight people we know of in the world that have this disease. You're one of them, and we give you 10 years maximum to live, and she was a young young lady, only in her thirties, and uh, so she found out about Catherine Kuhlman's meetings, and she went to Pittsburgh, and um, and she was healed uh, in in Catherine Kuhlman's meeting uh, in in Pittsburgh, and uh, she says, uh, so I'll pick it up. She said, I was instantly healed. Uh, this woman related, I went back to the specialist. They ran every test they could, and they couldn't find it. They said, we don't understand it, but it's gone. And for months, I never felt better. But now, this is August of 1970, so earlier in the years when she'd been to Pittsburgh, been healed in Catherine Kuhlman's meeting. But now, she told my wife and me, every symptom has come back on me. I haven't told my husband yet, but I'm worse than I ever was. I've been back to the meetings, but I haven't received anything. Can you help me? Yes, I can, I said. This is Dad Hagen talking. You see, you were healed by a special manifestation initiated by the Spirit of God in the life of this evangelist. And thank God for it. 
But then after you got back home on your own, Satan took advantage of what you didn't know and began to put symptoms back on you. And instead of resisting them, you accepted them. What can I do? She asked. I said, just get in these Bible teaching services like we've been teaching here this week. So she and her two friends began to follow us from city to city. He was spending several weeks there in the uh, in, they were in Syracuse, New York, doing a, a, a convention for full gospel businessmen. And then they were staying several weeks to, to speak in the local chapters of full gospel in that area uh, in, in, uh, in New York. And so, uh, uh, so she and her two friends began to follow us from city to city as we spoke for the various full gospel businessmen's chapters. When we were getting ready to leave the area, she said, Brother Hagen, I'm completely healed. So over, that, over that, those few weeks, she got in those meetings and, and heard the word and began to apply the word of God in her life. And she said, you know, we, we started out, our, our first message in this series was a harvest of healing, if you remember. How to reap a harvest of healing. Well, to reap a harvest, you have to what? You have to plant seed. And then for that seed to grow until it can be harvested, it has to have watering. The Apostle Paul talked about the gospel that he preached and to the Corinthians. He said, I planted and Apollos came along and watered, but God gave the increase. So it's hearing the word of God, letting that seed get planted and then and then continuing to hear watering that seed with the word of God. But continuing to hear uh, the truth of God concerning healing that will cause a harvest of healing to come in our lives. And that's what she experienced. She said, uh, uh, she said, Brother Hagen, I'm completely healed. Uh, every symptom has disappeared. This time I got it on my own faith and I know how to keep it. And I'll tell you something else. I know how to go out and get others healed too. That's, that's, that's even better, isn't it? Amen. What happened to this Methodist woman happens to many. It's easy to get healed in a mass meeting where there is is a mass faith and everybody's believing. Others get healed through a special manifestation of the Holy Spirit, through gifts of the Spirit, gifts of healings, etc. But when these people get back home on their own, they're really on their own. Uh, They're not surrounded by faith any longer. Many times they're surrounded by doubt and unbelief. Then the minute, the first, that's why, that's why the local church is so important. That's why staying connected and being part of a local body, especially one like this, that believes and teaches the the, the truth about divine healing. That's why it's so important. Amen? Amen. Did you have that did you have that fellowship and that encouragement? Praise God. So uh, she said, th- then the minute the first symptoms show up, they say, I thought the Lord healed me. I guess he didn't. See, she was symptom-free after she got healed in Catherine Kuhlman's meeting. She said, I'm several months, I'm healed. I never felt better. But then, boom, those symptoms come back. And she said, not... Not only is it like it was before, the symptoms are even worse. It's even worse than I was before. Can you imagine the, the fear and the dread that probably came on her when she thought, oh, no, the doctors have already said this is terminal. I'll eventually die from this. But thank God the word of God gave her hope. Amen. And she, and she in, in that series of meetings, by hearing the word and applying the word of God, she said, I got my healing. I, know, I got it on my own faith and I know how to keep it now. Praise God. And we, can, and we can do the same thing. Amen. The, the minute the first symptoms show up, they say, I thought the Lord healed me. I guess he didn't. And when they say that, they open the door to the devil. Instead of rising up and meeting the devil with the word of God and commanding his power to be broken, they yield. Why? Because they have no foundation of God's word in their lives. They are depending on others to carry them on their prayers and faith. That might work temporarily, but a permanent healing will be based on their own faith. No one can maintain a healing which has come as a result of another's faith, gifts of the Spirit, and so on, unless his, faith, his or her faith is developed through the Word of God to the point where he can maintain his own rights. That's why, that's why we're spending time teaching on this, so you, can, so you can develop your faith, and so you can get your healing, amen, on your faith. We must learn to say, devil, you can't put that back on me. The Lord has healed me. I won't accept it back. We must learn to stand in faith, to keep the switch of faith turned on. 
We know God uses people who are especially equipped and gifted by the Spirit and thank God for them. The healing gifts bring people in. But just like new converts need to get established in the Word if they're going to go on, people who get healed need to get established in the Word if they're going to stay healed. Praise God. And I want you to stay healed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So healing belongs to us. And we have to keep what belongs to us. Revelation 2.25 tells us this. It says, but hold fast what you have till I come. Hold on to it. Amen. Why does the Bible tell us to hold fast to it? Because there's somebody out there coming along that wants to snatch it away from us. Well, we already know who that is from our first scripture that we read. We know that's Satan. He's come only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so not only with our healing, but anything in our, in our Christian life, any area of redemption, the devil wants to steal that away from us. And so that's why uh, that we're exhorted. That's why Jesus exhorted the churches there in Revelation, hold fast what you have until I come. Hold on to it. Praise God. Well... Again, what do you have? Well, for one thing, healing. Amen. Remember, first, let's read 1 Peter 2.24 first, and I'll comment. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Everybody say that with me. By whose stripes you were healed. Turn to your neighbor and say, by whose stripes you were healed. Turn to your point to yourself and say, by Jesus stripes, I was healed. I was healed. I was healed. Amen. Peter says you were. That means it's already done. See, here's the point. We are not the sick trying to get healed. We're not the say, but you don't understand, Pastor. I, I do have sickness in my body. Well, you may, that may be the case outwardly, physically, in the natural. That may be the circumstance. But the Bible says you were healed 2,000 years ago. Amen. So you're not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed. Amen. The devil is trying to block and endeavoring to take away your healing from you. But you are the healed. You're not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed. Amen. Don't let the devil, don't let the thief take away your health and your healing from you. Amen. Hold fast. Everybody say, hold fast. Hold fast fast what you have till I come, Jesus. Well, how do we do that? We hold fast to our healing or anything that God has given us by holding fast to our confession. We hold fast to our healing or anything that God has given us by holding fast to our confession. The Bible tells us to do that in Hebrews 10.23. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. How? Without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. How can, we ha- how can we have the assurance not to waver? Because our God is faithful. Our God who made the promise is faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. His power is not diminished. Amen. Hallelujah. So we can hold fast to our confession. What confession? Confession, confess means to say the same thing. It means to say, that's literally what the word means. It means to say the same thing as. To say the same thing as who? To say the same thing as God. Amen. The, the Bible talks about confession in two different ways. It, it, one, one way is confessing our sin, right? The Bible says that we are to confess our sin. In First John, it says if we do that, if we confess our sin, God's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. But what does it mean to confess my sin? It means that I say the same thing about my sin that God says about it. It means to say the same thing as. If God says it's sin, then I say it's sin. 
I don't say, oh, well, this is just an issue. Oh, well, this is just how God made me. Oh, well, this is just my personality. Oh, well, no, I say, I call it what God calls it, sin. It's sin. It's evil. It's wrong. Lord, I sinned. Forgive me. I'm saying the same thing about it that God says. All right. That's on one side. On the other side is to say the same thing about my life from a positive standpoint that God says about it. What does God say? We just read 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes, you were healed. So I hold fast to my healing by hold fast, holding fast to saying the same thing that God says about my healing and health. I was healed. If I was healed, then I am healed. Amen. Healing is mine. Healing belongs to me. Amen. Praise God. We, we uh, last Sunday, uh, I laid hands on, on a number of folks, right? And remember, I asked you a question before I laid hands on you. Will you be healed? Will you receive your healing as I lay my hands on you? Every one of you answered in the affirmative. Yes, I will. Praise God. You may not have felt anything. There might not have been an immediate change in your condition. But here's, here's how to hold fast. Now, the Bible says in, uh, in, in Mark 16, these signs will accompany those who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick and what? They shall recover. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. God says when we lay hands on you in faith, when you believe and when I believe or whoever's laying hands on you, the Bible says you'll recover. These signs will follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick in Jesus' name. That's exactly what I did. I laid hands on you in Jesus' name. The Bible says you'll recover. So from that, from that moment, and I encouraged you to do that last week, uh, from that moment then, whether you, whether you felt any change in your body at that moment or not, Here's what, here's what you should be saying or should have said and should be saying. Hands were laid on me in Jesus' name and I am recovering. What are you doing? You're saying the same thing as God says. You're holding fast to your confession. You're saying the same thing that God says about your healing. Hands were laid on me and I'm recovering. Hands were laid on me and I am recovering. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right. I want to, again, read you a little bit more out of, the, out of the book, How to Keep Your Healing. Praise God. Um, in a full gospel church in one of our western states, there was a man who had been born with a deformed foot and a leg that was about four inches shorter than the other. He couldn't walk without crutches due to his crippled condition. His deformed leg was not as big as the other one. It had not grown right. But in one of my healing meetings in the church, he got healed. His crippled leg grew out the same length as the other. That's pretty good, four inches. And his deformed foot straightened out. At 37 years of age, this man was able to wear the first pair of, uh, first matching pair of shoes he had ever worn in his life. Six weeks after my meeting was over, the pastor was taking prayer requests on a Wednesday night. A woman got up and said, Pastor, I was healed during Brother Hagin's meeting. And for six weeks, I've been all right. But all my symptoms have come back on me. And I'm worse than ever. I want you all to pray for me. Without thinking, the pastor agreed. We do a lot of things without thinking, don't we? Then this fellow who had been healed of the crippled foot and short legs stood up and said, Pastor, may I say a word? I think it will help this sister. You all know me. I was born crippled, and I've been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit for several years now. I, too, was healed in Brother Hagin's meeting. You know I'm perfectly healed. Just this past week, I was walking on Main Street when suddenly a pain hit me in the ankle, and that foot that had been healed turned in. In fact, I almost, I almost fell. In fact, I would have fallen if I hadn't reached my hand out and leaned against a store building. That foot turned in with such pain I could hardly stand it. I just slid down the wall and sat on the sidewalk. I don't know what people thought because I picked up my ankle and foot in my hands and yelled out loud, No, you don't, Mr. Devil. You don't put that back on me. God's healed me. Amen. And every symptom left. Amen. I've been all right ever since. He maintained his healing. 
Although the church prayed, the woman lost hers. Why? Under those conditions, prayer won't work because she, had, because she already had denied what God had done. Listen to this. Many times you lose by praying. You lose by turning in prayer requests. I know, I know he, uh, he talked about, Brother Hagin shared another situation, very similar of a uh, meeting that he was in and where uh, a woman uh, had, had uh, they had prayed for her healing and uh, the church had prayed and she had begun to recover and, and turned a corner. It was a, very, it was a, it was a life-threatening situation and she had turned the corner and she was recovering. And, um, and, and so they, the church prayed in agreement and that happened. God touched her and she had turned a corner. She was recovering and then the next night, the revival's going on. The next night, someone turned in a congregation, well-meaning, of course, turned in a prayer, said, Pastor, uh, let's pray for Sister So-and-so. She's better, but we need to continue to pray for her. And, and they did that. And as they prayed for her healing again, now they've already prayed and agreed and believed God and she's recovering. But as they prayed again for her healing, the Lord spoke to Brother Hagin and said, They've taken her out of my hands now, and she'll die. Within a few days, the woman died. That's what he means by sometimes we lose by praying. See, it's, it's faith that makes prayer. Uh, am, I, am I speaking against prayer? Absolutely not. But we, know, we need to know when to pray and ask, and we need to know when to stand in faith and praise God that he's already heard us, that his power is already working. See, that's faith. It's faith that makes prayer work. Jesus said, all things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Amen. Amen? And so if we go back and, and redo it all again, we've undone what we did to start with. You, you see that? Now, again, there's different rules that govern different kinds of praying, and there's some kind of praying that we need to... If we're praying for the nation, that's something we need to do continually, all right? But when you're praying to receive something that, that, that's been provided in redemption, you pray, you believe that you receive it, and from that point on, you thank God for it. Amen? Amen. And you hold fast your confession. All right. Praise God. All right. So um, I think that's all I wanted to read. Yeah. He says, many times you lose by praying. You lose by turning in prayer requests. That may startle you. But what you're doing is confessing, I don't have it. And at some point, we have to believe that we receive it. Jesus said, believe you receive it, and then you'll have it. The having it comes after you believe you receive. But if we're continuing to pray and to pray and to pray, then we're never getting to that point where we say, okay, it's mine. I believe that I receive it. Is that registering? Okay, all right, all right. Praise God. Uh, so, so again, let's talk about... As we, as we wrap this up, let's talk about the importance of our words because that's really what it comes down to. Amen? Uh, what, what words are you going to speak over your life? What words are you going to speak over your health and your condition? Proverbs 12, verse 18 says this. It says, There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Now, I think there's a twofold application to that verse. It could be in the context of in relationships, you know, if, if you in a, in a marriage relationship, in a relationship with friends, in a relationship with church members, you can speak to other people and, and just cut them up with your words. But then you can speak words of forgiveness and words of grace and words of reconciliation that promote health and, and healing in that relationship. I, I take that verse to, it, it applies that way. But it literally applies, the tongue of the wise promotes health physically. Amen. If you are wise, you're going to speak words that are going to promote health in your body and not, and not cancel out what you've prayed or what someone else has prayed over you or for you, but it's going to stand with that and enhance that and come into agreement with that. Amen? In the new living. Some people make cutting remarks, but words of the wise bring healing. Well, I want, I want the words that I speak to bring healing to my body, don't you? And they can. 
Your words can bring healing. Amen. Uh, the Message Bible says, there is healing in the words of the wise. There's healing where? In your words. There's healing in your words. Amen. So if we're, if we're wise, we'll speak words of healing and health. We'll not talk ourselves out of our healing. Amen. Proverbs 15, 4, Amplified Bible. A gentle tongue with its healing power is a tree of life. But willful contrariness in it breaks down the spirit. What is that? Well, I know the Bible says I'm healed, but I don't feel healed. And I'm not going to lie about it and say I'm healed when I don't feel healed. You know what that is? That's willful contrariness. You're being willfully contrary or ignorant, one of the two. But now you can't, after this message today, you can't plead ignorance. Right? Amen. Willfully contrary to what God has said. No, let's speak in agreement with what God said. Amen. Uh, Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Amen. Praise God, that, that, that's probably directly applicable to some folks in here today uh, that you need your bones to be healthy. Well, here's your answer. Pleasant words are like your words can bring health to your bones. Wow. Your words can bring health to your bones. Amplified Bible. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the mind and healing to the body. Your words can bring healing to your body. Wow. Proverbs 18, 21, you know this one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Oh, well, no, it's up to God. It's whatever God wants. Well, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. If it's, it, it's, it's God wants this for my land, God is sovereign. No, death and life are in the power of the tongue is what the Bible says. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Which fruit are you going to eat of? You're going to eat the fruit of whatever the words you're speaking. If you're speaking, if you and I are speaking words of death and words of sickness and words of fear and words of defeat, then that's the fruit that we'll eat. But if we'll turn it around and speak words of life and words of healing and words of health and words of victory, then that's the fruit that we'll eat. Praise God. It's up to us individually what kind of fruit we're going to eat of in our life based on the words that we say. Amen? Amen. Jesus said it this way, you know. In Mark 11, 23, For assuredly I say to you, whoever... So who's it, who does this apply to? All right, whoever. Does that mean you? Are you included in whoever? Yeah. King James says whosoever. There's an, old, there's an old song, an old hymn that said, Whosoever meaneth me. Yeah. Amen. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... Believeth on him. Praise God. That means me. That means I can be saved. That means if I believe on him, I'll be saved. Amen. Well, it's the same, same word here. Whosoever, whoever. So to work for whoever. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Let's read that last phrase together. He will have whatever he says. Let's read it again together. He will have whatever he says. What will he have? What will you have? Yes. You're going to have whatever you say. So, so let's say it that way. Say, I will have whatever I say. Amen. If you want to change what you have, then change what you say. Change what you're saying. Amen? Amen. Isn't that right? Yes. Praise God. I want to read just a, just a little bit out of this little book, which is another great one. God's Creative Power for Healing. 
that I recommend if you don't have this. I'm not just trying to sell books today. Uh, they're only, my goodness, for, I think this one's $2 now. Is that right? And these are three. For $5, you can change your life. Right, for a Best, either that, you can either buy a cup of coffee. I probably can't even buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks now, can you? No, that's shot way beyond that. Yeah, I went to the Dairy Queen after, uh, after our food pantry yesterday. I wanted to, I can't find, I'm going to get off on a tangent here. If you can know where they're at, please tell me. Uh, every, my tradition for years and years, every Saturday is to eat hot dogs for lunch. And I normally eat at home and I buy the ballpark smoked turkey franks. Best ever. Delicious. There must be a shortage. We hadn't, heard, we hadn't heard much about the supply chain lately, but I think there's a supply chain breakdown in the ballpark, smoked turkey franks. I've not been able to find them anywhere all this year, and, and it's been dreadful. And uh, so I've just, had to, I've just had to make do for lunch on Saturday. So yesterday, it was already late when I was getting out of here, so I, I'm just going to swing by the Dairy Queen. They're not smoked turkey franks, but they do have slaw. And so I go, okay, I'm going to get two slaw dogs. I ordered two slaw dogs. Well, he said, that'll be $8. $8? No, I didn't, I didn't say that. I wasn't nice about it. But I did ask when I got around to the counter, I said, how much are those now a piece? Well, they're $2.89 plus $0.90 cents more for, to add slaw for each one. So each slaw dog was $3.79. So when you add tax, $8.00. I, I got in the middle of that. that. Why in the world am I talking about that? For less than that, for $5, you can change your life. That's why I said all that. For way less than the price of two slaw dogs. Hallelujah. All right. So here's what I wanted to tell you out of this. Are you still with me? The following article entitled Patient Knows Best appeared in the August 1991 issue of the Reader's Digest. Listen to this. A person's answer to the question, is your health excellent, good, fair, or poor? You can go to the, you know, maybe you go to a new, maybe even go to the dentist or something and it's your first time there and they give you eight pages of of, of paperwork to fill out. And and maybe a question like this is on that or something. What, how how would you, what, what, how, how do you consider, how would you assess your own health? Would you... Is your health excellent, good, fair, or poor? It says a person's answer, or how they answer that question, is a remarkable predictor uh, of who will live or die over the next four years, according to new findings. A study of more than 2,800 men and women, 65 and older, I think maybe I'm talking to the right crowd this morning, found that those who rate their health poor are four to five times more likely to die in the next four years than those who rate their health excellent. Let's get this now. This was the case even if examinations show the respondents to be in comparable health. So they examine a person and they ask them the question, how do you rate your health? Well, I'd say it's poor. And they examine another guy who's basically in the same health physically after the examination as the guy who said his was poor. How do you rate your health? Oh, it's excellent. The person that said poor was four to five times more likely to die in the next four years. These findings are supported by a review of five other large studies totaling 23,000 people which reached similar conclusions according to Ellen Eidler, a sociologist at Rutgers University, an epidemiologist. I would not have known to say that word, but now since 2020, I can say the word epidemiologist. Um, An epidemiologist, Stanislav Kassel of Yale University School of Medicine, co-authors of the new study. People that have an image of themselves being in poor health will talk about poor health. Even though they may be in good health, they seem to live out the reality of the image they have of themselves even unto death. This would confirm Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. What you believe and speak, 
not only affects your body, but your immune system as well. Your words become either a blessing or a curse to you. Jesus put it this way, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. I am convinced from my study of the Word of God that your own words can change your immune system for better or worse. The words you speak are vital to your health and well-being. I believe there are some diseases that will never be cured unless people learn to speak the language of health that the body understands. God's Word is infused and grafted into you by giving voice to His Word with your own mouth. And this is the language of health to your body. A continual affirmation of God's Word in faith will build into your immune system a supernatural anointing that is capable of eliminating sickness and disease in a natural manner. Praise God. I believe that. Read if you're around. Oh, there you are. Okay. Come on back up and begin to play. Praise God. Deuteronomy 33, 25. See, again, he's talking about the people 65 and older there. Some of those folks thought, well, I'm getting old now. Things are starting to break down. Things are starting to not work like they used to and, and, and all of that, you know. And, and I know we kind of laugh about that and make jokes about it sometimes, but we need to get serious about this. Deuteronomy 33, 25 says, As your days, so shall your strength be. As your days, so shall your strength be. I'm going to start, and I am, saying that over my life. Praise God. I would encourage you to say the same thing. Don't say, oh, well, I'm just getting older. Oh, well, I'm slowing down. Oh, well, this is tearing up. Oh, well, this is worn out. No, say, as my days are, so shall my strength be. Praise God. Let's say it. Say, as my days are, so shall my strength be. Look, there's Paul back and better than ever today. Was in the hospital last week, but bang, he's out. Amen. He didn't have a stroke, right? They said, well, if I think he had a stroke again. No, I don't. No, I don't receive that. Amen. Back in church. I'm not going to miss church. Amen. God's word says, may your strength last as long as you live. Amen. May your strength last as long as you live. We've got an example of that, you know, in Moses. Deuteronomy 34, verse 27. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. In the New Living, Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear, and he was as strong as ever. Praise God. Well, yeah, but but what? But what? But what? Amen. Let's, Let's get rid of that. Amen. Let's get, a, let's get rid of that and say, well, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to believe what the Bible says. As my days are, so shall my strength be. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You guys got, we got work to do here. Amen. You got to, you got to stick around for a while. Right. Now, if Jesus wants to come get us all, that's, that's another matter. But, but until he comes, let's, let's stay alive and well and strong and doing the work of God. Amen. Being a, being a force for righteousness in this earth, being salt and light. Amen. First Peter 3.10, for he who would love life and see good days. Anybody want to see good days? Days in the hospital, days, days sick and afflicted are not good days. Good days are healthy days, well days. People, people he who would love life and see good days. Let him refrain his tongue. If you want to see good days, he said, it boils down to what comes out of your mouth. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let's read it in God's word. People who want to live a full life. Anybody in here? People who want to live a full life 
and enjoy good days must keep their tongues from saying evil things and their lips from speaking deceitful things. Pastor, you don't understand. I don't cuss. I don't say bad words. I don't tell off-color jokes. I don't do any of that. Well, he may, that may be a part of it, but I also want you to know that the Bible calls unbelief evil. So we need to read it in that context. Well, if we're going to live a full life and enjoy good days, we've got to keep our tongues from saying unbelieving things. Amen. And our lips from speaking deceitful things. What is something deceitful? Anything that's contrary to this, because this is what? It's truth. Amen. The Word of God is truth. So if I'm saying stuff that's contrary to the Word of God and what... The word of God says about me, I'm speaking deceit and I'm not going to see, I'm not going to live a full life and see good days. Only if I speak in line with what God's word says. Amen. Amen. Again, the Bible calls unbelief evil, evil. Hebrews 3.12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. There it is right there. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Numbers 13. You know the story of, of Moses and the, the 12 spies that he went in to spout the promised land? Joshua and Caleb came back and said, yes, let's go in. And the other 10 said, in Lee Corso fashion, not so fast. Two of you know who Lee Corso is. <laughs> College game day. <laughs> When they're picking the games, they'll say, oh, I think Ohio State's going to win. And Lee Corso says, not so fast. So, and so the two, the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, let's go in and possess the land. And the other ten said, not so fast. The men that went up with him said, we be not able uh, to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we. And I wanted the King James in this one. Kim, I don't know if you can pull that one up or not. Uh, probably didn't give you, I uh, probably didn't let you know it was King James. Uh, verse 32 says, and they brought up, here's what, that's why I wanted to read in King James. And they brought up an evil report of what? Bible calls it an evil, there it is. Thank you, Kim. They brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying, the land which we've, now they weren't cussing. They weren't, they weren't telling dirty jokes. The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw it are men of great stature. Well, you know what? God had already told them something though. God had already said, I'm bringing you into a good land, a land that flows with milk and honey. And I'm going to, by, by the way, I'm going to drive out the inhabitants of the land before you and you're going to go in and possess it. That's what God had said. And Joshua and Caleb were basing their report on what God had said, not on what they had seen. Did you hear that? I said, Joshua and Caleb based their report on what God had said, not what they had seen with their eyes because they saw the same thing that the 10 spies saw. They saw the giants. They saw, you know, the challenges. But they said, well, but, but God said to take it. God said we can go in and he's going to be with us and he's going to go before us and he's going to drive out the inhabitants. Just like God has said about our health and our healing, that we are healed, that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And you may, may be looking at that report that the doctor gave you. And if we side in with that, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying that you shouldn't follow treatment or things like that. But I'm saying that instead of, instead of saying, oh, well, he says I might live 10 years maximum. Instead of that, believe what the Bible says. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So they chose... They, they, they brought an evil report, is my point. And so we can't, if we're going to see good days and live a long life, then we can't be speaking evil, unbelief, amen? Uh, they chose to believe what their senses told them over what God had said, over God's word. And they begin to say and talk about what their senses 
revealed to them. There's giants there. The land eats up the inhabitants. We can't do it. Just like we're tempted to say, oh, well, but this, my situation's getting worse. My condition's getting worse. I don't think I'm going to make it. My, my mother had this. Her mother had it. I Now I've got it. You know, talking stuff like that, that, that's an evil report. It may be, it may be from the natural, but you can change it. I, I, I believe what, what Brother Cap said there, that with, but the word, the word of God can change our immune system. If we'll speak it over, if we'll speak it over our bodies. Amen. Praise God. So again, if we want to live a full life, if we want to see good days, then we got to keep our tongue from saying evil things. And we got to say what God says. Don't let the devil, don't let the devil deceive you into talking wrong and, 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 and have that then as his avenue to reach in and steal what already belongs to you. Your healing. Healing already belongs to you. Health belongs to you. It's been purchased for you in the cross of Christ. Let's not let the devil steal it. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you. Again, I I go back to what you said by your spirit earlier. We've chosen that good part. Lord, I thank you. Everybody in here, I believe, is choosing and has chosen that good part of your word today and it will not be taken from them <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And as a result of holding fast to the word, I thank you that we hold fast to our healing and our health in the name of Jesus. We praise you for it. We thank you in Jesus name. I want to give an invitation right now for those of you that possibly you're in the auditorium here. I believe I know everybody in here, but we've got folks joining us on YouTube, on our live stream. And, uh, So I want to uh, give you an invitation right now to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible is very clear that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We need a Savior. We can't save ourselves. And Jesus is that Savior. God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to this earth. Jesus came and He took our place. Jesus went to the cross. And when when He went to the cross, God, in the realm of the Spirit... God took your sin, all of it, all of it, my sin, and the sin of the whole world. Nobody else could do this but God himself. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. And because he is, he qualified to do this. God the Father took your sin, my sin, the sin of the whole world, and he took it and he laid it on Jesus on the cross. And Jesus suffered for it. Jesus was punished for it. Jesus paid the price for your sin and my sin, so that we wouldn't have to stay separated from God. Now, even though he did that, you and I have to acknowledge it and believe it and receive it individually. And you can do that right now by praying this prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're ready to have a new start in your life, if you're ready to receive eternal life, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, would not perish, but would have everlasting life, eternal life. The life of God imparted to you now and living forever with God throughout eternity. Your sins forgiven and washed away. All the guilt, all the shame of all the wrong things that you've done. I know our culture today tries to uh, reason all of that out and say, well, you're, you're made that way, you're born that way, it's all right if you live that way. Who, are, who is anyone to judge you? Live like you want to live. Do what makes you happy. But you know, you know that, that you've got guilt, that you've got shame, that you've got sin in your life, and you've tried to get rid of it by reasoning it out or by trying to be good, and none of that works. The only way you can be free is to ask God to forgive you and, and, and receive Jesus Christ and His sacrifice and His blood. That's the only thing that can make us clean. That's the only thing that can wash away our sin. The old hymn says, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So right now you can receive Him. I want to lead you in a prayer. Put your hand over your heart. Those of you in the auditorium, you know the drill and you're joining me in this. We're going to pray with you and help you there. If you're on, watching us on YouTube, to receive Jesus right now. Just pray this prayer after me. Just say this. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. I recognize that I am a sinner. 
I need a Savior. And I recognize and I believe that Jesus is that Savior. Jesus, you are the Son of God. You did die in my place. You took my sin. On the third day, you were raised from the dead as a guarantee and as proof that my sins are forgiven. So I receive you now into my heart. I thank you that your blood washes away my sin, makes me clean and makes me new on the inside. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer with us just now, please get in touch with us. First of all, you're born again. You're in the family of God. Jesus just became your Lord. Please reach out to us. You can go to our website. There's a link to it there. Cityonahillchurch.us and contact us through our contact page and let us know that you've prayed to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Praise God.